Welcome to the Fantasy NBA Today podcast. I got a new week going, don't we? I suppose that's something. We are past the halfway point. I think that happened uh, Saturday. It's either Friday or Saturday. The NBA season is officially more than halfway done. The uh, downhill here will also have an all-star break mixed in there. And it always feels kind of like, well, because the fantasy season, if you're in a head-to-head league, ends some number of weeks early, and then you've got the playoffs, you're actually well beyond the halfway point in head-to-head. Roto, this is where... This, in my opinion, this is like the moment in the season where head-to-head and roto really take off in different directions. Because if you're in a roto league, you can still make some very large changes, but you just don't see them as quickly. From a strategic standpoint, uh, it's it's a really interesting phenomenon because you, you know roto side you can like try to shore up rebounds hypothetically, and you might not actually see the gains in them for weeks and then perhaps it starts to roll up a little bit where with head to head if you're making a move right now you're likely making the move uh with a a playoff stretch in mind you're shoring up something you're already really good in you're going for five or six very very strong categories and nothing else matters so you're you're going in the two different formats you're going in totally different directions right now Head-to-head, you're shoring up what you're already good at. Roto, you're probably... I mean, maybe if you're, like, you know, second from the bottom in something, you might just give up on it. But if you've got two or three things that are mid-pack, you want to lean into those. Lean into something where you're, like, bottom third. The areas where you can gain two, three, four Roto points are often the exact opposite in the areas in head-to-head where you're looking to try to make that big pivot. But it doesn't mean you should stop acting. No matter what format you're in, head-to-head or roto, you should be trying to improve your team. I had a trade this morning proposed to me in a Yahoo Public League. I say this with uh, total honesty because I simply don't have the time to go out there and propose trades anymore. I Like, if somebody proposes one to me, I might do a, a, a counter because then I, at least I know who they're trying to move. But, like, I don't have time... In my personal life, I've got too much going on with the kids. Weekends are a complete cluster mess for me to go in and just like look through teams for players. It just doesn't work. You know, the guys that I bring up to you on our buy low shows, I might go type in that player's name and see who has them in a league. And I might be able to make some kind of offer for that. But that's like, that's basically the amount of time I have. Which, again, raises the question of why the hell I'm in as many leagues as I'm in if I don't have time to maintain a lot of them. Well, it's fun. You know, it's sort of a volume game for me at this point. I'm good enough in most of these leagues without having to give, uh, you know, every ounce of my energy to them that it ends up being sort of a a positive financial ROI. But then someone proposed to me a trade this morning, which was effectively, I'm going to take the filler names out because they're sort of pointless and they're going to get dropped anyway. Uh, Joel Embiid coming to my team. Somebody proposed a trade to me where I get the number two player in all of fantasy sports. Joel Embiid uh, and Zach Levine for Freddie Van Vliet, uh, Darius Garland, who, like Levine, is out right now, 
uh, and Michael Porter Jr., which I was blown away. And I get it. Look, Freddie Van Vliet, I, lo- I love Van Vliet. I have him in a ton of leagues. He's he's beating his ADP considerably now after being behind it early in the year. Remember when he was number 50 and I was like, this is an easy buy low. Uh, he still doesn't even have the steals he had before. And Freddie's already moved up to number 26. But 26 is not number two. Right now, if you go to Basketball Monster, and, and you know, we're going to fuzzy math this a little bit because we don't have time to get into, like, how statistics and probability work. But right now, Joel Embiid in one roster slot is worth almost four times as much as Fred Van Vliet. That's the gap between number two and number 26. What Joel does in one roster slot is so unbelievably over-the-top important that there's almost no combination of players from outside the first round that are not enough to go get him. Because he's literally a negative in turnovers and a very small one in three-pointers. That's it. This also happens to be one of the head-to-head like leagues I'm in, so someone's probably somewhat concerned about Embiid's knee. I get it, like, I am too. But this is still Joel Embiid we're talking about here. And if memory serves, Philly doesn't have a weird playoff schedule. I don't have that in front of me right now, but I'm pretty sure it's all threes and fours. There isn't a two in there. So it's not like I'm taking on a guy who has a bad playoff schedule. And Zach Levine, he's hurt right now, but so is Garland. And I was just like, I was taken aback by it. And this is a team that's been trying to trade me Joel Embiid in other scenarios, but I just I couldn't pull the, the trigger on them because of other pieces that were involved and just like how many bodies I was going to get in this thing. But what a way to start the week, huh? What a wild way to open up your, your email and your leagues and start the week. Anyway, hello, everyone. Welcome to Fantasy NBA Today. A new week begins. We've got a whole weekend to go over. I got some ads. I got some drops. We got some stuff we got to dig through here. It's reverse chronological lightning round time. I am Dan Bespris, at Dan Bespris on social media. If some of you are watching, we're, we're all over the place right now. We're going live on YouTube and on Twitter. We're obviously after the fact on all traditional podcast networks and channels through the Believe Sports Network now. However you're taking in the show, please find me on social, at Dan Bespris. And if you're watching on social, it's very easy to just go click the follow button right now because I'm floating by on your screen. And I, you, know, you should be able to, I think, see my, my handle right there on it. Check out sportsethos.com, and Ethos Fantasy BK is the Twitter feed there. And then in the show description, and also in the live chat room, which I think only YouTubers can see, I am making sure that you guys can see the link to our Trade Deadline live coverage show. It is up to 319 likes right now, and we're still two and a half weeks away. I am stoked because our goal was to get to 500 and it feels more and more like we're going to be able to do that i think going back the most we've ever gotten on one of those shows is like 700 and something but a lot of that also happens during the actual show but i beg of you all please however you're taking in this show live after the fact please take a second to go to that link in the show description for our trade deadline live coverage page and click the thumbs up button on YouTube. It's such an important deal for us. It's such a fun day where I'm going to be on air for four and a half consecutive hours just talking basketball. Actually, is that five and a half hours? No. Yes. No. Whoa, it is five and a half hours. Whoops. 
Oh, my God. I might need to take a four-minute break in the middle. But please go hit a pre-thumbs up on that. Because what happens then is when we hit the start button on that show, and it already has 500, however many likes we get to, it just hits the ground running in a way that a show with zero likes and a handful of people watching really gets it. But because so many of you are going to be liking it and hopefully subscribing to the YouTube page, boom, we come out of the gates, all these likes, people just watching it, the show can take off. It's sort of like the day where I want to make the biggest footprint possible, and uh, that's how we're going to do it. I don't know why I talked about trading my league. Some of you guys say you like to see these things. Um, so anyway, we did that. Here is the weekend in review. We'll start from the top. We'll work our way backwards so we get through every team that played either uh, Friday, Saturday, or Sunday. Uh, this is the, the full reset. I think the Warriors are actually the only team that didn't. So uh, I believe it's going to be 29 teams today. Brooklyn. <laughs> I mean, this was crazy, man. They led this game by 18 points. And uh, down the stretch, the Clippers at one point went on a 22 to nothing run, starting from about the five-minute mark in the fourth quarter. Uh, it looked like Brooklyn was going to sweep the L.A. teams. That would have been really something. Anyway, the good news here is that Mikael Bridges has had a couple of good ball games in a row. Hopefully, this meltdown late doesn't disrupt what was a nice little two- or three-game stretch for him. That's pushed him back from around the edge of the top 100 to number 80 in 9-cat. Still a long way to go, but it's a start. Spencer Dinwiddie has bounced back a little bit. I remain extremely skeptical of his continued fantasy relevance. Uh, Nick Claxton's been fine. Cam Thomas went huge against the Lakers. He went okay, medium against the Clippers. If he goes on a little heater, that's the only place you actually utilize him. And then Cam Johnson, I kind of saved him for last on this discussion because I am beginning to get a little worried. I like that he got 29 minutes here. Uh, he outplayed the folks behind him, which in this one was, like, basically Royce O'Neal. Uh, but as this team's been getting healthy, you've seen less and less Cam Johnson. I did not think he was going to be the guy to get iced out a little bit. And yet, here we are. 11 shots is not going to be enough for him long-term, and it's been worse than that on a number of occasions. Now, this particular ball game, his line was actually not awful. 9.6 assists, a couple threes, and a steal. That would have been fine if he hits, you know, 5 out of 11 shots instead of 3. Then you're talking about 12 or 14 points, something like that. And maybe an extra 3-pointer. That would be the kind of line you're looking for. So overall, this type of production is okay. And kind of like a low-level target for him. But we've seen the minutes lower than that. And that's been worrying. Because he just doesn't look hyper-engaged right now. I'm not dropping him. If somebody drops him, you pick him up because he's still better than most of these other options. But things continue to be a little bit goofy in Brooklyn. And we'll see how, if if or when Ben Simmons might actually resurface. You know, look, you guys know I'm on the record saying I don't think Ben Simmons plays more than five more games this season. So I'm not ex expecting it to change anything. But, you know, you never know. And his return could actually help some of these other guys. Russell Westbrook had a big game for the Clippers, but I don't care. People ask me who I would prefer between Xavier Tillman and Mason Plumley, and I said I had a slight lean to Tillman, and everybody yelled at me. That's the life of the analyst. Um, now, Plumley actually hit five out of six free throws in this game, uh, but one of the other concerns, of course, was could the Clippers run small? And against certain teams, they can. This is one of those scenarios. You also saw Daniel Tice get 17 minutes of 
a little bit like you know more floor spacey, I guess, on offense. And that's the fear here. Plumlee is not guaranteed 30 minutes of ball game. I know he had that one good ball game. That this is why I didn't race out and pick him up in a lot of spots. Some of the magic has kind of, uh, I'm probably not the right term to use since the Heat played the magic, but some of the Heat sorcery has evaporated. They're still 24-19, and 19, but they've lost three games in a row. And shots are just not dropping right now for the Heat. They're, they shot 37.5% in this ballgame. Now, admittedly, Orlando's a good defensive team, but as the Heat, in kind of a weird twist, have gotten healthier, you've seen... Some of that, like, everybody else was playing over their head. That shine has come off, and now they really need the Stars to go big. And if the Stars don't go big, which they didn't in this ballgame, then they're going to lose. As far as the Heat go, I like, listen, I don't know what Jaime Jaquez's job is going to be when he comes back. The fact that they're losing without him suggests he probably will get some decent minutes here. I just, I don't know how there's enough left for him to do with Hero, Butler, and Bam all healthy and playing. He would probably start to replace either, probably replacing Nikola Jovic in this starting five right now. I think Caleb Martin can likely continue to hold his spot. That's not to say that you should drop by Mayakez. If you can stash him in an injured slot, you might as well just to see what happens when he comes back. But if you can't, I think that probably gives you an opportunity to drop because I don't know that it's a guaranteed productive run when he comes back. Meanwhile, over on the other side, no Goga Batadze in kind of a weird twist for the Magic. He sat this one out. Wendell Carter Jr. played 34 minutes. He's been rolling lately. We know the Magic are trying to move one of their centers because there's just a logjam there with Mo Wagner. Also, now he finally got to play in a ball game. Franz Wagner came back, and now you've got Magic on a back-to-back, -back, so you'll likely have Markel Fultz and, and or Jonathan Isaac sitting out a ball game. Who knows if Wendell Carter Jr., Franz Wagner, these guys who just came back, those guys could potentially sit one out. Let's basically ignore possible rest stuff when we break down the magic and say, well, number one, Markel Fultz should be rostered now. Um, he was someone I think we called a stash about 10 days ago or so when he was sort of working back into shape. I continue to believe that Fultz does not get inside the top 90. I also think there's a very real chance he doesn't get inside the top 110. Could he co sort of teeter on the edge of 120, 130 range, which is like barely startable in most formats? Yeah, he could get there with, real, with field goal percent and some points and assists and steals. I just, I don't, you know, like I, I feel like one of the usage guides needs to be out for him to have enough to do. Now... His line in this one was good because he had two steals and two blocks, and he shot six out of eight, which, you know, his field goal percent is going to be decent because he doesn't shoot the three ball. But, you know, he's not, he's the point guard, but he's not like the primary initiator on every set. They've got Franz, they've got Paolo to do that sort of stuff. But I do think he needs to be on rosters. Um, Jalen Suggs is doing right now just barely enough to stay on my roster. And every day I look at it, and I'm like, I'm going to give you like two more games. And if you're okay, I'll probably give you another two games. But we haven't had the sort of explosion. The, if I need a four-steal game or something like that out of Suggs. So, uh, yes to Fultz being on your roster. Yes to Suggs being on your roster. No to Cole Anthony. You guys know my stance on him is only play him when he's lava hot, which he's very much not right now. 
And then Wendell Carter Jr. is an interesting one because he's actually been playing pretty well the last two or three ball games. But we also know that he doesn't get defensive stats. He's almost exclusively points and rebounds. And if those things dry up for even a game or two, his value nosedives. So I'm not into the Wendell Carter Jr. thing. I think in a, in a very good scenario, if he's playing, you know, 32, 33 minutes a night as the starter, he could get you like, you know, 0.6 steals and 0.6 blocks and good field goal percent. And then maybe in that scenario, you could get 14, 15 points and eight rebounds out of him. And that would put him like in that 110 range, 100 to 120. And that's startable. I don't know that he gets there consistently. You could almost think about Wendell Carter Jr. as a little bit of a trade deadline, not stash necessarily, but consideration guy. Because if he gets moved or if Gogo or Wagner gets moved, it gives him a better path towards 30 minutes, which he very much needs to get near fantasy value. Frankly, I think he needs more than that. Uh, but 30 at least would put him close. Because right now he's kind of like in that 180 to 200 range in 25 minutes a game. So that's just, I mean, that's not good enough. Denver beat Washington in a very weird game. Wizards scored 104 points and they split it up in just the worst way possible if you were hoping to get fantasy value out of your guys. Uh, Tyus Jones at least was good again. Daniel Gafford is back. So Marvin Bagley, who did have 14 and 7 off the bench, but 18 minutes is not going to be enough for him to get it done. So you can part ways with Bagley, unless you think Gafford gets traded, which is very much a possibility. So Marvin Bagley, who, you know, I'm not particularly excited about, but if you want to put him on this stash watch for the trade deadline, okay, we now know that he's very much the sort of first in line for the center minutes, and there's not much in the way of competition there when Gafford is out. And a lot of teams could use a guy like Daniel Gafford. I talked over the weekend about the Mavs maybe trying to trade for a Clint Capella. Gafford would be another option. That's a team that badly needs a center who is not a rookie. Uh, Tyus Jones is another name that could be on the move, which and I talked over the weekend on our trade deadline show about Bilal Kulbali being a possible stash as well. Good defensive stats. Again, like here's 31 minutes for him, and he got fantasy value in them. But we just need these other guys that shoot the ball to not be there. We need Kuzma to be gone. We need Poole to be gone. We need Jones to be gone. We need something to get out of the way. So put Koulibaly and Marvin Bagley on your trade deadline stash watch list. And maybe I'll do another show at some point with more stash names in addition to the ones we talked about. But uh, Koulibaly was on that show. Or his name was the person. I did not have Bilal on the program. Boston rested a couple of folks. No Drew Holiday, no Al Horford. So uh, Al, who would normally be the first man into the starting lineup when a starter sits, was not. It was Sam Hauser instead. And you cannot even beg me enough to care about the fact that Luke Cornett had 23 decent minutes off the bench or Sam Hauser played 31 decent minutes as a starter. Because in all likelihood, you'll get Horford and Drew back, and then Porzingis will probably rest some game coming up here. Who, by the way, KP, what a freaking huge ball game he put together. Porzingis is uh, number 21, by the way, this year in 9-cat. It's damn impressive. Anyway, that means that Al Horford's probably going to have a decent game because he'll be back and he'll start for Porzingis. 
Houston uh, rested Freddie Van Vliet. Jabari Smith Jr. also had the day off. Uh, so Dylan Brooks took it upon himself to take 23 shots. Would you believe, in the expression of the late, great Vince Scully, would you believe Dylan Brooks, <laughs> 25 points on 23 shots. Yeah. Uh, that's not the story, though. I mean, it is something to think about. Like, if they rest a couple of starters, Dylan Brooks would be kind of a one-day stream, and then you just pray, you flip a penny into a fountain, pray that he shoots better than 35%, which he did not. Shangun triple-double with a couple guys out. I mean, he's been playing well anyway since his coach called him out. Uh, but I think the names you guys were hoping that I'll talk about, and I will now, are Amin Thompson, who double-doubled in a spot start here, and Cam Whitmore, who did not double-double, had a quiet game in a spot start as well. Those two guys go back to the bench when uh, Jabari Smith Jr. and Freddie Van Vliet are playing. But something to think about, again. And I don't think this is going to come up regularly because the Rockets are not in the playoffs right now. They're a game back of the Jazz and Lakers for that last play-in spot. So they don't really have a lot of opportunities to sit guys, but they won an overtime game. I think, was it the night before? I think it was the night before uh, at home against the Jazz. And so they just, that was kind of like, look, we got one out of these two against the Jazz and the Celtics. Let's the hell with it. And they're off until Wednesday now. It's a very light week. I think it's a two-game week for Houston. So they figured, all right, we'll give Freddie the day off. And he doesn't have to play between Saturday and Wednesday. I don't think that they do this. It's possible they don't do this ever again this year. This might have been the only time that they gave those guys just a scheduled day. So do we need to worry about it? Probably not. By the way, folks are asking in the chat room, trade deadline is February the 8th. It's two and a half weeks. Two and a half weeks. Coming up quick. And again, a mid-show reminder that if you didn't do it before... Here's the link on screen, or again, if those are listening without a video element here, it's in the show description. That's the link to our Trade Deadline live coverage page. So please navigate over there. Throw a thumbs up on it before the fact. We are, as of this moment, at 319, and not any of you, not one of you watching live, has hit the thumbs up button after I asked you at the beginning of the show. But perhaps someone will do it now? Question mark? Go there, please. Hit a thumbs up. We want to get to 500 uh before before we get there um and i think we can do it i think we can do it phoenix beat indiana 117-110 buddy healed as a starter is very much a go things are going to be okay uh halliburton got this game off he'll be fine i was very surprised that tj mcconnell didn't have a better ball game indy went to super weird looks miles turner got just obliterated, a number of starters did, so Indy ran heavy bench lineups, uh, plus Buddy Heald and Pascal Siakam for stretches. So this was like the Rick Carlisle mix-and-match day, and this happens every once in a while. Don't worry about it. Everything's going to be fine. Indy's basically in a posture right now where you start their starters, not, I mean, I, even in this game, I probably would have. No, no way to know this was how it was going to turn out. Uh, and don't worry about the rest of these dudes. Uh, same story for Phoenix, actually. Start the starters. Kevin Durant, 40 points on a ridiculous, ridiculous game. 72% shooting from the field. Also had three blocks. And uh, those guys have been on fire lately. KD's back up to number nine. 
on a per-game basis. Devin Booker's back up to number 20 after his 50-burger over the weekend. Uh, Grayson Allen continues to roll. Bradley Beal's having good ball games. They shot 57%. That'll get it done. And then the Lakers blew out the Blazers because, well, the Blazers are really, really bad. Like, real, real bad. Malcolm Brogdon's been real good, though. He's got some trade value through the roof. Um, he's a opposite trade deadline situation. He's a trade deadline sell high because someone's going to trade for Brogdon that's going to use him as their you know sixth or seventh man that badly needs some secondary scoring sock. I mentioned the Rockets on a show last week that really needs someone else that can score. He'd be a great fit for them. Uh, other teams are going to kick the tires on Brogdon, but I don't know if everybody, like, it feels like Houston, of the teams that are fighting for something right now and don't have the pieces they need, feels like that's the team that badly needs him. The Heat would also be near the top of the board for me as a team that needs a consistent offensive contributor. Uh, I don't know that there's too many other clubs that jump out as super obvious. I mean, the Thunder, they're so good right now, but it does kind of feel like they could use someone else to shoulder the load a little. But that's more of like a take the pressure off of Shea and Jalen Williams and Giddy kind of thing. The Rockets really just need, they need a bench of any kind. Who else? Um, I mean, the Kings, actually, I know they've got a lot of scoring sock, but it'd be nice to be able to give De'Aaron Fox a little bit of a breather. But they got Malik Monk, who's kind of in that role already. Yeah, I mean, those are probably the top two. Anywho, uh, DeAndre Ayton got pushed around by Anthony Davis. He'll be fine. Fine being sort of the operative word here. Ayton's just not going to have a great season. Um, he was always a little bit overdrafted, although I'm, generally his rebounding is going to be better than this. And I don't think he's going to always lose time to do op wreath. This game was out of reach, and that's going to be a problem for this team because there's going to be a lot of blowouts. Because they're awful. Uh, but if you're wondering, does anybody like get a big bump if Malcolm Brogdon gets traded? No. The answer is not really. Because Brogdon basically has been the sixth man for this team who slots in as a starter when one of Jeremy Grant, Anthony Simons, uh, Shaden Sharp is out. Right now, Sharp is out. If he comes back, Brogdon gets pushed to sort of a marginal role anyway. So this is very much a sell high for him. And then in terms of what are you looking at with Portland, like, is there anybody on this team that could see a big jump forward? I know teams want Jeremy Grant. It just kind of feels like his contract is a little bit prohibitive, but maybe they move him. I know they're looking for a lot back. Let's say that someone on this team does get moved. The guy I'd be looking at is probably Jabari Walker because he has a translatable fantasy game in a way that some of these other dudes don't. Because I don't think DeAndre Ayton's getting moved. I don't. To me, he feels almost too too difficult to move, and he's not a he's not a difference maker for a team. Matisse Thybul could get moved, but that doesn't really change fantasy value in Portland at all. I'm not all that interested in Tumani Kamara unless a few guys get out of the way. So when you look at them, you're like, okay, Jabari Walker. He could score a little. He can rebound a little. He can do it on okay percentages. Give you a three, maybe a steal or a block. That's the guy where you're like, oh, if somebody gets out of the way he could actually have sustainable fantasy value. But I don't know that the ceiling's high enough where I'm feeling like I need to badly go out and stash him. 
For the Lakers, uh, really nice defensive stats out of Christian Wood in this game. By the way, I know it was a blowout. He didn't get the last four or five minutes as he normally would. This was such a wide blowout that Colin Castleton and Jalen hood Shafino and Maxwell Lewis, these guys, those guys got to play down the stretch. So, um, you know, Christian Wood's been fine as sort of like a schedule-level play, and Cam Reddish was back here, and he had some steals, and Jared Vanderbilt had some steals. But the Lakers right now, at least, and they, you know, maybe they'll probably be active here at the trade deadline. Please go get Alex Caruso, Lakers. Please, Lord, don't blow everything up for DeJounte Murray. Please go get Alex Caruso. Then you never have to think about who that fifth starter is ever again. Torian Prince was out. Rui Hachimura played, uh, got the start in his stead. Um, and that doesn't matter. But if you, th- I mean, you throw a- Alex Caruso in that spot, this team's ceiling leaps. Because right now, they have basically four guys in the starting lineup who can't keep their defender or can't keep the offensive player in front of them. Reeves, D'Lo, LeBron, and like, I'll give like a 70% to Torian Prince, who's slightly better than the other guys, but not by enough. And then Cam Reddish was the guy that they were like, oh, maybe you can keep a, a dude in front of you. But he was so awful offensively and literally just like dropping passes in transition that that didn't work. Having even one guy in that group that can keep a player nearby and create stuff defensively. Ah, please go do it, Lakers. It's All I want for Christmas this year. Let's go back to Saturday. And while we do, I can tell you guys about our buddies over at Manscaped.com, where with coupon code Ethos20, you can get 20% off and free shipping on your order. I showed you my face last week before I shaved. It was not good. Not good. Very hairy. But look at me now. Actually, it's starting to get hairy again. I'm almost, it's almost time for me to bust out the Manscaped a second time in a row here. Ethos20. Ethos20 is the promo code, uh, and get, again, 20% off and free shipping on the lawnmower, the handyman, the shears, whatever you got to do there. By the, by the way, the shears are the nail kit. I know it's a strange name for it. People are, like, thinking, what am I shearing? Is there a sheep in the house? Maybe. Uh, but actually, that's the one thing that you're not using on the hair on yourself. Uh, 2-0, Ethos 2-0, 20% off free shipping over at manscaped.com. And again, mid-show reminder... Please do find me on social at Dan Vespers. And if you're watching on social right now, it should be very easy for you to just go click follow. Uh, let's zoom in a tiny bit here. Let's talk a little bit about Saturday. Milwaukee beat Detroit. Uh, Dame giant ball game that rocketed him back up the board. He's now up to number 14 in nine cat. Y'all may remember when we had him as a buy low when he was down at about number 24. This is as far as I think we can expect him to go. But there's actually more room if things break the right way. Because he's still only at 43% shooting. If that gets up to 44, 45, he likely does then climb ahead of Wemby, who's in front of him. There's a pretty good gap between 13 and 12 right now in terms of just general value. So I don't know if Dame can get into the first round, but he's kind of where we need him at this point. No other real notes on the Bucks. Detroit, we've got a few notes. Alec Burks continues to be an amazing fill-in. I know he's coming off the bench, but he's effectively right now a fill-in for Cade Cunningham. Uh, Jaden Ivey, who's been the, this continuing battle of is he good enough in 9-cat versus uh, points league. And for the last week, 
He's been good enough in nine cat. He's been much better if you're punting free throws because that's been his big downfall lately. But like, if you look at two weeks, three weeks, uh, he's outside the top 125 in those ranges. So again, like, he is the poster child for a punt build or a points league guy. But I think you're basically playing him with Cade out, uh, even though I think Cade's expected back later this week. So just keep that kind of in the back of your mind. No Isaiah Stewart for this game, which I don't care about. I don't want Isaiah Stewart on any of my fantasy teams. But it did open up some minutes for Azar Thompson, who had 22-9. and nine. He's one of my guys that I'd be targeting for a late-season mega run. When that starts remains a bit uh, nebulous. I don't know if it'll be trade deadline or sometime in March. But at some point in there, these very, very bad Pistons will have their very, very bad season finally winding down, and there will really be no reason not to have Thompson playing some decent minutes. So if you can pick him up off the wire, you're not too far, I think, out from a stash possibility here. If you want to trade for him for somebody cheap, this would be the wrong day to do it after a good ball game. Uh, but assume that his games get quiet again before they get big and see what you maybe a move you could make there. So that's another trade deadline note. San Antonio, Jeremy Sohan is on a vicious shooting tear right now. But, uh, I mean, 50% from the field is vicious for him. And 92% at the free throw line. He's been cooking. He's also at 3.3 combined defensive stats. This is like the definition of a serious heater. Yeah, I mean, look, one thing that I've learned over the years is that it's actually okay to just play a guy with a lot of value. That's fine. Who's hot? I should say, play a guy who's hot. A couple of years ago, I might come on this show and just say, no, I'm just going to ignore it altogether. But that's that's too long-sighted. You need to be a little bit short-sighted sometimes in fantasy because if you can get a guy who's super hot for a game, two games, three games, whatever, that can be useful. But that's basically what we need to be remembering is happening here. Having Trey Jones as the point guard has been very helpful for all of these guys. But this was a game against a very, very bad Wizards defense. So everybody put up numbers, including Sohan, who's been hot. He's going to cool off. That's just the way the universe works. He's not going to be 50-92 the rest of the year. He's not going to get three and a half defensive stats the rest of the year. But if you want to play him while he's hot or sell him for a top 100 guy, if someone will buy, then hell yeah. Or maybe you throw him into a deal as sort of like a throw-in, and people are like, oh, cool, he's hot right now. Maybe this is something. That's the best way, I think, to utilize him with, again, the understanding of what is likely to come. No other real notes on this ballgame. Uh, Zach Collins, by the way, he did come back late last week. He'll be your Wembenyama fill-in for when Victor sits, which will probably happen at some point. We already talked Wizards, so we can skim past them to Philly-Charlotte. This was a game where it looked like everybody took a Valium, Prince Valium, before the ball game. The only thing I think we learned from the Philly side is that Kelly Oubre Jr. is not going to get enough usage to put up numbers even as a starter, as long as Embiid and Tyrese Maxey are in there. Those guys are in there. Oubre's a no. Frankly, even if like a Tobias Harris, one of those three guys, if, if one of those three guys sits, there's probably enough usage for Oubre to get 10, 11, 12 shots instead of 7 or 8. But while all three of those dudes are healthy, no. No LaMelo ball, so Charlotte promptly put up 89 points in this one. Uh, P.J. Washington fouled out in 26 minutes. That's the Joel Embiid effect. But as long as Nick Richards 
and Mark Williams are out, I think you can start P.J. Uh, Cody Martin had five defensive stats, but generally isn't doing enough just from, like, handling or touching the basketball to be a, a roto start. So here, in this iteration, I think you can go Rozier, Miller, right now with LaMelo out, Bridges, and P.J. When LaMelo comes back, I probably don't play Brandon Miller. I probably play the other guys. And then if anybody else ever shows up for Charlotte, we can reassess at that point. But it sounds like Mark Williams isn't getting any closer. I think we probably see Nick Richards in the next couple of ball games, so that would ace out P.J. Washington. Uh, so just you know, stay locked in on the uh, the news basically to find out who's in and who's out for Charlotte, and we'll make our calls from there. Cleveland has been annihilating people. They've won seven games in a row. They had a pretty easy schedule. So not to take anything away from them, but they got the Bucks without Giannis. They've got this Hawks team that's mostly in a free fall. They beat the Bulls, Nets, Spurs, Wizards a couple of times prior to that. So it's not like the most overwhelming seven-game win streak of all time. But Jared Allen has been a first-rounder for the last five weeks. Max Struess left this game with a hip injury. He came back and actually put up kind of decent numbers finally. Shot 50%, heaven forbid, but he only got 20 minutes. That is not because they're phasing him out. It's because he was hurt for part of the game, and then it was a blowout late, so they didn't need to overuse him. But right now, you're playing Donovan Mitchell. You're playing Jared Allen. I've benched Struess in my Roto Leagues. Head-to-head, you just throw him out there and hope that the slump ends at some point soon. Uh, George Niang's been on a little bit of a heater. I don't think I'm going to do anything with that. Same story with Dean Wade, who got hot. Sam Merrill was hot. Cavs needed more shooting around their guys, and they they got it, man. Those three dudes, Wade, Niang, and Merrill, uh, ended up with 14 of the team's 16 three-pointers. Yeah. Trey Young took a headshot in this game. Uh, he's in concussion protocol. We'll see if he's good for their next one. If not, you'll just get more DeJounte Murray, more Bogdan Bogdanovich, so on and so forth. No real changes on the Hawks. I did mention over the weekend that Onyeka Okongwu is someone that I am looking at as a possible trade deadline winner. So uh, do what you will with that information. Gary Trent is another possible trade deadline winner. I don't know if there's going to be quite enough shots for him, even if Bruce Brown gets shuttled along to a new team. Bruce Brown is talking like he expects to be traded. All of his quotes are like, yeah, I haven't signed any leases yet. And I think someone was like, hey, do you think Tom, you'd love playing for Tom Thibodeau? And he's like, I'll do anything that Tibbs asks. Like, dude, you ain't on that team. He doesn't think he's going to be in Toronto, which makes me think he won't be in Toronto. If the player doesn't think they're going to be there, why should I think they're going to be there? Meaning, you probably do get pretty consistent 30 minutes for Gary Trent Jr. But even beyond the minutes, can we guarantee 10 to 12 shots a game? Because that's what it's going to take to get Trent inside the top 100 because you're going to need three three-pointers. You're going to need a steal, steal and a half, something like that to cover up the fact that he doesn't rebound or pass really at all. And, you know, the free throws will be good, but he's not going to take very many of them. So he's a guy that I've stashed in a couple of spots where I, I kind of had some free players to just sort of cast off into the wind. And if you want to know more, go back to that damn show from Saturday. We did a specialty show on this and we talked about him. Uh, where the hell was I? Nick's side, uh, Dante DiVincenzo, Josh Hart, those guys continue to battle for, 
you know, wing supremacy. It still, to me, feels like DiVincenzo is the play. I know Hart's had a couple of decent games in a row, but I'd, I'd go Dante. And then Isaiah Hartenstein left this ball game early, dealing with some ankle issues. Uh, hopefully, he doesn't miss time. Precious Achua had 18 and 11, basically filling in for Hartenstein. Uh, but we've seen Achua enough to know that he can get you some rebounds and he can get you some steals, but he generally does more damage than good. He turns the ball over, his free throws are not good. His field goal number, I know he went 9 for 10 in this one, but that's typically not a positive for him. There are often just way too many negatives on the Achua side. I get it. Certain head-to-head formats, blah, 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 blah. I'm talking about if you're actually attacking all nine categories. If you're punting something that he's terrible at, fine. Make that adjustment yourself. But I can't say that about every player in the NBA because there's like a weird hedge maze that I could talk through to give almost every player fantasy value in the, in the NBA. Oh, if you're punting these four categories, it's like, no, that's, that's a nine-hour podcast and it's not helpful. You know your team. If you're punting free throws or field goal or a bunch of things, if you're points leagues or whatever and Hardenstein's out and Achua gets the start, fine, have at it. But if you're going for nine cat wins, we've seen it enough. OKC is sort of a non-story fantasy-wise, not because there's nobody good on the team, but because it's the same good players every ball game, and it's Shea, Chet, and Jalen Williams. And we've had a little bit of a bump lately for Josh Giddy, uh, but he cooled off here, um, basically, as I talked about over the weekend. Another guy, when they run hot, yes. When they don't, no. He'll be fine, but he's not, in my opinion, I don't think he gets inside the top 100 and... I think even getting back to where he was last year is probably a little bit of a stretch. Minnesota, are we about to get a little Nas Reed heater? Cat eh, fouled out of this ballgame, so that played a little bit of a role. There was uh, so a few extra opportunities, and Nas, the units he was a part of were very good. You guys know he's on my stream while warm board, and if this is him getting warm, then you want to be a part of it. It's just sometimes kind of hard to know. Chicago blew out the zombie Grizzlies, who did still have Jaron Jackson Jr. among the uh, the zombies, <laughs> playing playing with the zombies. Uh, and JJJ, you know, the story here is basically, can we get a week or two of good games out of him and then maybe convince somebody to give him up for like a 50 range, dude? To me, if you can get that back, that would probably be a win. I'm good with Vince Williams Jr. I'm good with Luke Kennard. I think those guys are basically everyday starts right now. No Xavier Tillman in this ballgame. So Santi Aldama got the start. Um, didn't score much, but Aldama does have the ability to get some fairly well-rounded fantasy lines. Boards, assists, steals, blocks, some threes. The percentages are eh. Uh, Aldama's a guy that I've got my eye on for more so silly season than trade deadline because I don't think there's really anybody <laughs> who the hell else can the Triz- Grizzlies trade at this point all their tradable pieces are hurt except maybe Kennard if Luke Kennard gets moved I don't know that that necessarily gives Santi Aldama a path to value maybe David Roddy gets some more there but his fantasy game isn't all that good what we really need here is for Tillman or JJJ to be out of the picture in some way and I don't think it's by trade it's probably by shutdown and then Aldama's a go. So that might be more of a March stash as opposed to a February one 
if you're kind of grading out the timelines on this stuff. Chicago back to life without Zach Levine for a couple of weeks here. Uh, this game ended early, so Andre Drummond saw some extra run. Io Dosunmu got some extra run. Uh, Patrick Williams, obviously he does more when Levine is out. I'm not playing any of those guys in Roto. Head-to-head, -head, uh, let's see, what is uh, this guy, Chicago's schedule? I don't have that right at the tip of my tongue here, but we can look it up. Chicago, not a great schedule. They play tonight, and then they don't go till Wednesday, and then they're off again until Sunday after that. They go three. They're on a stretch of three, 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 and then the trade deadline, or the all-star week. So Bulls, not in a great schedule spot. That would be the place to use Patrick Williams or Desumu or Drummond, and it's not happening right now. Um... Patrick Williams of those guys probably inches the closest to being someone you might be able to use on a day-to-day -day basis. Uh, we saw the last time Levine was out. It was kind of like sometimes in, sometimes not. Maybe you play him in Roto against really bad defenses or something like that. Or is that getting too cute? Probably. So you probably go Vooch, Damar, Kobe White, Alex Caruso, and then I don't know that I'd dabble with the rest of them. We talked Houston already. Uh, the Utah side, Jordan Clarkson continues to be on a serious scoring binge these days. Uh, I think he's like top 50 over the last two weeks. No, top 65 last two weeks. His lack of defensive stats hasn't hurt him very much because his scoring has been so good. He's shooting 47% over that stretch on 18 shots per game. And, of course, that's the story with Clarkson. If that if field goal percent is not a massive negative and he's putting up some scoring and assist numbers, then he can be playable. And right now he's playable. I think sellable is probably the better term for him. This is also an overtime game where he did some extra there. But I, we don't want to put it on overtime. He's been hot for about two weeks. See what you can get for him. If somebody will give up a top 80 or 90 guy, you do it. If the best you can get back is like a fellow streaming level dude, then you just roll with the hot guy. Sexton's a play. Walker Kessler's a play. Larry Markinen is a play. Same story there. There's so much complaining about Walker Kessler, and I get it. He hasn't been as good as people want. But I think he's number 70 right now when, in a season where it seems like almost everything has gone the wrong way. Yeah, you drafted him at, you know, 45 or 50, so he's two rounds behind that. But it's not like it's been a team-ruining number. You probably thought you were getting about three or four extra rebounds out of him than what you're getting right now. And the rest of it is not that far off from what your your projections probably had. I'm just saying. Meanwhile, Chris Dunn got 27 minutes in this ball game, And again, overtime helped. And I just, ah, man, I want to play Chris Dunn so bad. And I just can't bring myself to do it. Because every time it looks like he might be able to hold value, he has like a 14-minute game and the whole thing comes apart. Do I want to say we should get out in front of Chris Dunn? Uh, I don't know how we possibly can, because half the time he splits time with Keontae George, and sometimes they just go point guardless for a little stretch, or Sexton or Clarkson is playing point. There's just too many guys getting minutes on a game-to-game -game basis. Ah, oh, man, I really want it, though. Chris Dunn's fantasy game is just so nice. I enjoy it so much. Mm. <sighs> you know, let's say this. If you're punting points, go ahead and add him. I don't think anybody's about to get out of his way. Like, if you're thinking trade deadline, I, I don't know that 
things change much. In fact, it's more likely that they move done, which right now I don't know that they... Like, Utah's playing well these days, so I don't know that they want to go selling pieces anymore. They have a lot of assets already. So this is this is it, probably. He and Keontae George are splitting point guard minutes, and some of the time it's going to be okay, and some of the time it's going to be bad. Can you catch it on the right days? I'm guessing probably not, so I'm leaning towards no on Chris Dunn, but damn it, every fiber of my punt points body wants to say yes, and I just can't do it. A quick glance at Friday reveals that the Pelicans didn't play Saturday or Sunday, and I think that was it. I think we covered the other 28. No, that's not right. Screwing something up. One day I'll actually remember to go and see who did and did not play on Saturday and Sunday before I actually launch headlong into this thing. But a quick glance at the Pelicans. Uh, JV got more minutes in this one. They needed the offense more than they needed Larry Nance's defense. And this is why I could not bring myself to play Larry Nance in roto formats because you just knew... An 18-minute game of almost no stats was coming. And right now, the problem with the Pelicans is that they're healthy. It's good for them, generally. Lost this ballgame, but generally good for them. Uh, But bad for fantasy value, because Herb Jones can't sustain value and Trey Murphy's healthy. Trey Murphy Murphy has more trouble sustaining value when the sort of big names on this team are healthy. Trey is a hold, by the way. Uh, JV has trended down from top 50 to more like 80 to 100 range since Nance came back. Nance is not quite good enough as long as Valanchunas is around. And so you got all these guys that are all vying to get right near the cut line. And JV's above it. And Trey is probably just barely above it. And Nance is like just barely below it. And Herb is a little bit farther below it than that. Maybe the Pels thin the herd a little bit at the trade deadline. That'd be swell. We've heard Herb Jones is potentially movable, which seems kind of silly, but a possibility. And if he ends up in a place where he gets a little more usage, he could be a winner. And if he moves, that helps Trey Murphy. I don't think they move Nance or JV, but anything is possible, I suppose. Not to say that you need to be, like, stashing Herb Jones for the trade deadline. Consider it, but I don't think that I would do it. Trey Murphy, if you're getting annoyed with him, Call him a trade deadline stash in your mind in case somebody gets moved. And then Nance, no. And JV, yes, you obviously hang on to him because he's very much been good enough. And that is our very large weekend review. Quick look at the chat room here to see if anybody brought up some names that I didn't cover. Mostly names that I've talked about already here as I skip through it. Oh, here's one. Hey, Dan, does it hurt DeJounte Murray if he's traded to the Lakers? Um, Yeah, I think a little bit. His stat line will probably look different. Um, he He's never going to be the DeJounte from San Antonio where it was Murray against the universe. Those were That was an amazing year where he jumped all the way up to the first round, putting up 21 points and nine assists and two steals a ball game and eight rebounds. That's not happening. The only way that happens is if Trey Young is not around in Atlanta and he goes back to basically being the only guy there. What he's done in Atlanta, which is still about 20 points, five boards, five assists, one and a half steals. um, 
I could see him getting maybe like 16 shots, 15, 16 shots in L.A., but probably not 17 or 18. He's not going to get nine assists. You could definitely see the five to six, like the D'Angelo Russell range continuing for him. You could see the steals stay pretty good, maybe even improve a tiny bit, but just general usage likely comes down. I know playing with Trey Young is hard uh, because you're always going to be fighting for usage there. But AD, Braun, those guys combined are going to take more basketball uh, than Trey Young does. Now, the nice thing about L.A. is that, like, playing with Anthony Davis, yeah, AD is going to get usage, but it could be DeJounte getting him the basketball. That could be where he collects his assists. So I don't think this is, like, a precipitous drop-off situation, uh, but I I, I do think that there's probably a small hit. Yeah. and this is something that we just have to remember because it's so easy to keep talking ourselves into, oh, yeah, 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 everything's going to be fine. This guy's going to do the same kind of stuff. There's drop-offs when guys join teams where they just don't have the ball quite as much. Uh, Damian Lillard, who, again, he's climbing the board, and you guys know I, I had him as a buy low for a long time here. There's just no way that he's going to be that like top six guy that he was when he was the only man standing in Portland. Because he's taking 17, 18 shots a game uh, in Milwaukee, and he took 22 as a blazer for stretches. It's just the way it is. Like James Harden, he's been awesome for the Clippers, and they that team just piles up fantasy stats. But like best case Harden is like what he was with Philly. He's not going to be lead dog top three James Harden anymore. We just need to not overthink these things. I over we all overthink it too much. So, yeah, small hit, but not massive. Um, and frankly, if I'm the Lakers, I, that's not the guy I'm targeting. But, you know, we'll see. I know they feel like they need to shake things up a little bit. Uh, let's see what else we got here. Rich says Gogo was a DNP. I didn't uh, I didn't say he sit out. I said he was out. Um, but I think we may also see him resurface because uh, the Magic liked him and he played a lot. And I think they might just kind of be seeing what they have right now which I guess is nice because that lends itself towards a trade deadline where maybe one of those centers gets moved and that clears the deck a little bit for whatever centers are left. Um, Some questions about Tumani Kamara and Bilal. We talked about them. Is Jalen Brunson a sell high? Uh, I mean, depends, I guess. This is sort of the general answer there. He's number 35 in 9-cat. He's been on a little bit of a heater lately. I don't think he's a sell high. I think he was probably a buy low when he was like number 55 or 60, but he's been very slowly climbing his way back to basically where he got drafted. So I'm going to say, uh, no, not really a sell high. Sell even. He's a sell even kind of dude. You should be able to get a fellow late third, early fourth kind of guy for Brunson, and and that's fine. Uh, Dan, this is basically like, what do I do with Chris Paul? Um you might see him back in like three weeks in a best case scenario. Would you drop him for Trey Jones or Wendell Carter Jr.? If your team is in a dire spot, I would definitely drop him for Trey Jones. Uh, if your team's not in a dire spot, then no. I mean, this is very, very team-specific situation, but we haven't talked about Chris Paul in a while. Does Terry Rozier get shut down if he's not traded? Possibly, but this is another great reason to end your leagues three weeks early, and then you don't really have to think about it. Hey, Dan, thoughts on Dante Exum? That's someone we haven't talked about in a little bit. Good question. Um, I don't think that anybody for the Mavs outside of uh, 
the two superstar guards and Derek Lively has sustainable fantasy value. Exum could be the closest because he was hitting threes at a super high clip, and that's just like an easy way to have fantasy value because hitting threes without ruining a field goal percent is a combo that helps you sort of stay afloat. I don't think he has enough to do on a game-to-game basis to be top 100 when he comes back. Uh, Schedule-wise, I think he should be a very good schedule play when the Mavs have a good schedule, which I guess they do this week, but if he's back midweek, they go three games and four nights, then they have a three-game week and then a four. So, yeah, I mean, there's some spots in there where I think I'd deploy him, but I don't think I would use him on the Roto side. Kirk Roy says, thank God I didn't cut D-Lo. Yep. You're welcome. You're welcome. Is Amon Thompson worth a stash? I don't think so. I think Houston, this was like a by-necessity thing. Um, the only way you're getting that one is if they get eliminated from the playoffs with like two weeks to go and then all the vets shut her down. But I don't see that happening. They're a game out of the play-in spot. They're much better at home than on the road. And they'll find a way to sort of hang out close at the very least. And if they get, uh, let's say Van Fleet is done resting and let's say Jabari Smith Jr. is healthy and Tyree Eason shows up, they'll win a few ball games. And so that's going to keep a guy like Thompson more towards the periphery. That'll be that. Um, I had plans to try to come back and do a weekly preview show later today. We'll see if that happens. I can't guarantee it. Uh, it's a pretty damn busy day. Um, and I got to get uh, with the folks over here to get baseball fired up. Yes, I'm not doing anything for it. Uh, but I am involved in the planning and marketing. And so that's a pretty big project that it's time to start thinking about as well. Again, if you're following along, please drop a follow at Dan Bespris on show social. It's a pretty busy, well-trafficked show today. Thank you to everybody that's watching live. Please go to our actual trade deadline live show page and hit the thumbs up button. A few of you actually did do it now during the show, so thank you for that. Hopefully a few more will do it now. It's in the show description. It's also, as I scroll up, this link for those that are watching live. Uh, that is our trade deadline live coverage page for February the 8th. Please pre-like it. I will be grateful to you for, I don't know, a few days. That's how long I'll be grateful. Thanks again for watching, everybody. We'll see you either later today or tomorrow. I'm not sure yet. Either way, hope you have a good one.